These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve, most recently by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Hello. And welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Munson Savings Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Welcome. This is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local and sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. Happy to have you with us here today. We have a great show for you. We have John Gannon, an employment law specialist with the Springfield-based firm Scholar, Abbott, and Presser. John, how are you this morning? I am well this morning. How are you, George? Uh, we're good. We're, good. we're like everybody else. We're, we're dealing. Yeah. Tell me about it. Anyway, happy to have you with us. Uh, it's always good to have a lawyer in the house, yeah. uh, and we, we've got one on our podcast now. John, as I mentioned, is an employment law specialist. Uh, He and I have talked uh, many times over the years about changes in employment law and matters that uh, employers in this region need to be on top of if they're going to stay out of trouble and and manage their businesses effectively. And and recently we've been talking about COVID and how it's adding uh, many new layers to this equation, Uh, many new challenges for employers uh, when it comes to not only just keeping people safe, but uh, keeping themselves out of trouble as far as litigation uh, yeah. and all those matters. So I always like to begin by just uh, asking employment law specialists what, what's happening on the other end of the phone, the phone calls they've been receiving and the sure. questions they've been getting for from employers and managers. What, what are you hearing out there? Yeah. Um, you know, George, every day is a new day <laughs> during this pandemic. Um, and, and that applies almost tenfold with employment attorneys because we are dealing with new issues and new questions every day. Um, a lot of the guidance that has been put out uh, in connection with businesses reopening or new laws that have been enacted either at the federal, state, or local level, a lot of times we kind of just uh, refer to those as moving targets, meaning that uh, every day, Sometimes we're seeing new guidance that changes what we were saying yesterday. Um, but, but I think that right now, the most common questions are related to getting employees back to work. Um, uh, as a result of, of the COVID pandemic, as, as you know, um, there have been many businesses uh, even who were able to take advantage of small business loans, um, but, but not all of those small business loans were enough. Um, so businesses had to lay people off, businesses had to furlough employees, and now um, they're getting ready to reopen. Let's all hope that um, that continues uh, throughout the fall, even as schools reopen and, and uh, employers and parents are getting nervous about that. But getting people kind of back to work and employees who, you know, maybe they've been out on furlough for a period of time. Uh, They may have been collecting unemployment uh, as 
many of the listeners probably know, it's been in the news quite a bit lately. There's been additional monies uh, provided to employees who have been on unemployment. That ran out actually on July 31st. But there are employees that are just not ready to return to the workplace, uh, particularly if they're working in a setting that's not administrative or in an office, and they're just uncomfortable about coming back. So if people have questions, employers have questions, of, well, what, what can we do when our folks tell us they're just not ready to return? Either they, they're not comfortable returning because they have their own medical conditions that they're worried about. They may be caring for family members um, who might be at a high risk for contracting COVID. And then the kind of the big issue that's looming um, that will really come full fold in September are parents who are um, going to be, have school aged children who are going to have some level of responsibility depending on the age of the child um, to provide some schooling for the children. So that's really been kind of a series of issues, but that's been the biggest one is trying to get people back to work who are just not comfortable at this time. You were talking about uh, people being hesitant to come back to work. Um, what exactly can employers do in this situation? I've been told that they can't force yeah. employees to come back to work, but, but what is what can they do in these situations? Well, well George, I'm going to give um, my least favorite answer to a question as, as an attorney, but a, a, an answer that an, it, attorneys often have to provide, it depends. I mean, it really, it depends on the reason that the employee can't come back. And I, I use the word can't come back as opposed to doesn't want to come back. Because if an employee doesn't want to come back, perhaps because uh, as many uh, out, out there who have been furloughed or laid off, uh, th their income level as a result of the extra unemployment compensation that's coming in, it might be close to what they were earning, maybe a little less, but somewhat close to what they were earning uh, pre-COVID or pre-layoff. So they might say to themselves, you know, I just don't really feel like coming back right now. COVID's still out there. The numbers are, are, are trending in the right direction, but it's certainly still out there. I just, I just don't feel ready to come back. I mean, in that situation, employers can put more pressure on the employees. So, well, you know, we understand that, but you don't really have a legally protected reason for staying out of work. And I think a lot of times what in that scenario where the employees just doesn't feel comfortable coming back, we always encourage employers to have some dialogue with the employee to talk about uh, some of the safety measures that the employer is taking. Um, we've heard a lot of stories about even larger uh, employers in the area that have had no knock on wood, no COVID cases, no real scares. Um, so going over some of those safety precautions and trying to get to the well, what, why do you really not want to come back? And if the employee just says, you know, it's just not right for me, I'm going to stay out of work for a while, you'd likely be looking at a, a separation from an involuntary separation from employment, potentially a layoff or some sort of a termination. Um, but most of the time, the employee has at least something that could be a legally protected reason for not being able to return to work. Uh, I think the most common one, there's really two common ones that we've seen, um, and they, they probably split about 50-50 in terms of how often we're seeing this reason come up. 
and both are uh, legally protected or likely to be legally protected reasons. And the first one, I kind of alluded to this in the first answer that, that I gave, but uh, uh, it's parents, parents who are caregivers, who do not have appropriate uh, care for their children right now. I mean, this was very common back in April and, and when, when children were home from school, April and May and June. Um, but even now, daycares, many daycares are still closed. Even those daycares and summer camps that have opened, many of them are operating at limited capacities. So for parents who may have had a spot in daycare uh, several months ago, that spot may no, no longer be there. And that is uh, if employees do have to take time off to, to, to provide care to their children, that is often going to be a legally protected reason. Assuming that the employer is less than 500 employees, the uh, Families First Coronavirus Response Act that we commonly call the FFCRA is likely applicable and allows employees to take up to uh, a 10 and in some circumstances 12 weeks of, of paid uh, leave to care for a child. So that's kind of the, the first bucket uh, that, that would provide a legally protected reason for an employee not to be able to return. The second one, George, would be the employee has a, a medical condition. They're high risk. Uh, and that does not just mean age. Okay, a lot's kind of a common question we get is, well, we have a, an older workforce population where we're concerned that individuals who are 65, 70 years old are going to contract COVID. That in and of itself would not be a legally protected reason. However, if uh, the employee is high risk, maybe they have an underlying, one of the common underlying medical conditions that, that we've heard about uh, so much over the last few months, diabetes, high blood pressure, things like that. That would be a, a legally protected reason not to return that person to the workplace. In that situation, the employee would likely be entitled to an unpaid leave of absence while they're out. Okay, this is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. It's sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. Our guest today is John Gannon, an employment law specialist with the Springfield-based firm Scolet, Abbott & Presser. We've been talking a lot about COVID and uh, the different challenges facing employers and employees in this situation. John, the question or the, the phrase or the word that comes up a lot in dealing with employment law is fairness. And, and trying to be fair to all. And, and this means written policies. Does this extend to COVID? Or as you mentioned earlier, is this a case-by-case -case basis that perhaps can't be covered by a written policy? Yeah. Um, many of the issues that have come up as a result of COVID should be addressed by some sort of an amended updated new policy or even um, we don't always have time to draft new policies because of how rapidly things are changing. So one thing employers can do is they can simply put out uh, a memorandum, simple memorandum to all employees just to get some sort of written information uh, out to your, to your workforce about what your expectations are going to be during this pandemic. And I'll give you a really good example of that, George. Um, as, as many of the listeners are aware, anybody who's traveled on, on Route 91 or on the Mass Pike recently, they've seen the signs that there is a new travel order 
that's in place effective August 1st uh, of 2020 that Governor Baker put in place that really orders doesn't just advise, there'd been past travel advisories and guidance that kind of advised or suggested or urged travelers coming into Massachusetts, including employees who travel um, to a non-lower risk state to quarantine for a period of time. Now they're ordered to, to, to quarantine for that 14 day period. And that, that travel order that was issued by the governor actually directs employers to take some steps to try to ensure compliance uh, with, the, with their employee workforce for those who are, are traveling um, across state lines. So that's an area where just recently the, the, the order came out. We've been uh, uh, assisting our clients in putting together just simple, either very basic policies, updating a travel policies, or even a simple memo that explains here's, here's the situation with travel during the pandemic as a result of this order. Um, we need to be in communication with you about your travel plans because we cannot allow you to travel to one of these non-lower risk states and then come back to Massachusetts and, and be in violation of this order. So yeah, I agree with you, George. It's always a good good idea to have some sort of written documentation um, that explains what you expect out of, out of your workforce. Hmm. Well, stay there for a minute. Um, working at home, it, it's just become uh, something that a lot of companies have found works extremely well now. Um, they had maybe tinkered with remote working before COVID. Now they're not tinkering with it anymore. They, they've seen it in place for a lot of companies. It's like I said, it's just worked very efficiently. But getting back to this question of fairness, uh, are companies now running into issues with whom they allow to work at home and under what circumstances? And, okay, well, you let this person work at home. Uh, he's over 65. You let this person work at home. He, he's not over 65, but he works really, really well at home. You know, why can't I work at home? Uh, are you getting into Are you seeing some of that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That has been one of the really unique things about this pandemic is a lot of industries have realized, particularly the business sector, have realized we can make this work. I mean, we can make this remote uh, scenario work for our workforce. And, and you're right, um, people enjoy it. I mean, people, not everyone, I mean, it's not for everyone, but uh, certainly, there could be scenarios where employees contend that the reason they were not allowed to work from home, but others were, uh, was, was what we refer to as a protected reason. They'll say, well, it's discriminatory. You're allowing uh, individuals over the ages, age discrimination, maybe, I mean, reverse age discrimination, but um, there could be other factors um, that suggest that, hey, the criteria that the business is using to, to determine who can and who cannot work from home may have some discriminatory motive underlying it. So it's very, very important for businesses who are uh, thinking about allowing more remote or telecommuting work to happen to make sure that the criteria that they use for selecting who can and cannot work from home is entirely legitimate and business-based and not um, based on any other pr uh, protected characteristics. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, parents with young school children. They, they need to be home uh, 
to help these kids uh, with their lessons. They just need to be home. Is, is that a reason to let someone work at home? And can you say to somebody who doesn't have trouble, you can't work at home, but, but she does, so she can work at home? Right now it is. Right now it is, George. And I, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend um, employers saying to employee, even, even post-pandemic, you know, whenever we get there, telling employees, well, because you have young children at home, we're not going to let you work from home. I, I, I will say that you know, pre-COVID, uh, I know we keep talking pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, but there still were a lot of employers that would allow employees to work remotely and, and telecommute um, just as a matter of policy. Um, it was used as, as really a recruitment and retention tool to say, hey, you know, this is what, if you like to work from home, if you like not having to commute and, you know, putting on, you know, the shirt and tie or the, the blazer or whatever you need to do to wear to work, will allow you to kind of work from home. That's a, as a matter of policy. And I have in the past, um, in those policies, put in language that says, look, if you're going to work from home, you're going to have to demonstrate that if you have uh, school age or younger children, that you have appropriate care for those children during the work day. So that's certainly something employers could bake into their policies. I just wouldn't advise it right now because we have this Families First Coronavirus Response Act that it, it actually expires at the end of December 2020. So after that, maybe employers could could look to strengthen those or, or add some language regarding childcare to those policies, but I wouldn't do it before that. This is Business Talk, the podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local, sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. We're talking with John Gannon, an employment law specialist with Scholar Abbott and Presser in Springfield. John, I don't know if this falls under the category of employment law or not, but what a lot of people are talking about is possible litigation from businesses that, that bring people into the workplace and then they get COVID. Um, are businesses liable in these situations? What are we expecting to see from those type of suits? People come to work, they get COVID, they bring it home, um, maybe given to a family member, that family member dies. Yeah. Is there going to be any litigation to, or any liability in these circumstances? It, it remains to be seen, George, because there, there have been several lawsuits that have been filed along those grounds. They're kind of wrongful death, uh, negligence type claims that allege just like you, like, that you said, that the, the, the business, oftentimes it's been retailers, uh, haven't done enough to protect its workforce from the spread of COVID within, you know, the four walls of the building. And employees have contracted COVID either from another employee or from a customer in the building. And unfortunately have, have either passed away themselves or passed it on to family members who have either had significant injuries or have, have also passed away tragically. And it really... It remains to be seen whether or not those lawsuits will gain any traction. Uh, we're we're li living in an unprecedented time. And, you know, traditionally what would happen, George, is if someone did have what we call a, a very sad and unfortunate, but a, but a workplace fatality, they're at work uh, and, and they die as a result of something that happens at work, it would often be covered by workers' compensation insurance. Um, but now we don't know. I mean, we just don't know whether or not workers' compensation insurance will 
uh, provide some sort of protection to employers where, where uh, COVID uh, takes the life of, of one of, of the employees. So it, there's been that workplace conflict. There's also OSHA is an agency out there that oversees workplace safety. Um, oftentimes you could, OSHA would be the ones who are, are pursuing this and not individual employees. So it's certainly something that, that businesses, particularly retailers, really need to keep an eye on. I haven't seen any of those lawsuits filed uh, in, in the Pioneer Valley or Western Massachusetts yet. I don't even know if I've seen any in Massachusetts, but I've certainly seen them um, in different parts of the country. And they're, they're early on in the litigation stages, uh, but, but businesses do need to be watching what happens with those cases. Mm -hmm. One more quickly, uh, you mentioned earlier the need to have written policies when possible or memorandum. Given everything that COVID has meant uh, or brought to the landscape, do businesses need to rewrite that employee handbook at this point or maybe send out an addendum perhaps? Or uh, There's just so much to keep track of. Yeah, I mean, they, you're going to want to do it this fall. I think this fall is a very, and, and if you haven't done it already, but, or, or even maybe sooner, for two reasons. Uh, the reasons we go over the, the, the COVID related issues, you know, how are we going to address employee travel, um, employee time off, uh, sick related policies. But, um, you know, the one thing we haven't mentioned today, it's a little bit separate from what we're talking about, but but as of January 1st, 2021, um, employees in Massachusetts are gonna be eligible to take paid family and medical leave, which is the, the state PFML law that, that really starts to kick in, or at least the provisions of it that provide protections for employees who take time off, that's gonna kick in on January 1st, 2021. So this is a really good time to have a fresh set of eyes on all of your policies, not only for the COVID related reasons, but because uh, PFML is, is coming in Massachusetts in, in, in January. Okay, a lot to keep track of. Well, thank you very much for your time today, John. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back uh, in a few months to talk I, about uh, how these things are progressing and what else employers need to keep track of. I really appreciate you having me on, George, and it is my pleasure. Okay, thank you again. And thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to join us next time for another episode of Business Talk, presented in partnership with Living Local, sponsored today by Munson Savings Bank. We'll see you next time.